Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In our next segment, it'll be the Sports Business Radio headlines of the week. In segment three, Bill Squadron. He's with BloombergSports.com. Interesting new concept by Bloomberg. They've covered news very well for a number of years. Now they're in the sports space, and they're helping teams and fantasy sports players when it comes to the numbers game and evaluating the numbers of sports. So analytics, very interesting Listen to my conversation with Bill Squadron from BloombergSports.com coming up in segment three. In segment four, Tim Limke of TimLimkeSports.com. He formerly covered sports business for the Washington Times. He's going to be joining the sports business radio team. He'll be on with us frequently. He'll also be on SportsBusinessRadio.com blogging regularly for us starting in June when we relaunch our site. My conversation with Tim Limke coming up in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. Quick reminder, May 26th here in Portland. If you're in the Portland area or near Portland and you want to come listen to Pac-10 Commissioner Larry Scott, he'll be with us on May 26th. At the Multnomah Athletic Club, we'll be doing it over lunch, 11.30 to 1 p.m., lunch is included, and uh, tickets are available online right now at sportsbusinessradio.com or warsawcenter.com. So get your tickets, tables and tickets are going quickly, we'd love to see you there, it's going to be kind of like looking in on a live edition of Sports Business Radio. Joined in studio by Bobby Corser, Bobby, uh... Your thoughts on the NBA playoffs? You know, it, it's been crazy. And with what Boston's been able to do and kind of stretch out the series, because, you know, you and I both thought that this was Cleveland's year. Oh, yeah. Cleveland, you know, clearly it's not. Well, we think, but still, you know, I, it's interesting. And the one thing I don't like quickly is the fact that now we have to wait at least a week for the NBA Western Conference by the time the two teams wrapped up. That's not that's not cool at all. No, it's not. I mean, we talked about that in an earlier show a few weeks ago. Why do these series drag on? Why do the entire NBA playoffs drag on? It's frustrating. But we'll be excited when uh, the Western Conference Finals and the Eastern Conference Finals finally get underway. All right, Sports Business Radio headlines coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training. Sports business curriculum taught by industry experts and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. 
With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. This is Sports Business Radio. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, the NBA Board of Governors this week unanimously approved Mikhail Prokhorov and his acquisition of controlling interest of the New Jersey Nets from Bruce Ratner. Prokhorov said in a statement, For those who are already fans of the Nets and the NBA, I intend to give you plenty to cheer about. The purchase was approved by the Board of Governors in a 28 to nothing vote. Prokhorov agreed to pay $260 million to Ratner for 80% of the Nets and 45% of Barclays Center. So, Bobby, this is a guy who's a multi-billionaire. He's Russian. We talked to Commissioner Stern a few weeks ago about more and more owners in the future probably being of foreign origin. But, you know, the Nets have never really been a player when it comes to landing big free agents. But if they can move into their new arena finally in a few years, and with the backing financially of Prokhorov, maybe they'll make some noise. I don't think they're going to do it this summer, but eventually they could be more of a free agent player. No, I completely agree. I agree maybe two, three years down the line they have a chance. And listen, when you have an owner with deep pockets and a guy that wants to win and a guy that wants to put butts in seats, he's going to go out and spend some money. And I really think the Nets are in a spot now where they can do that. And, you know, it's no surprise that the Board of Governors voted at 28 nothing. You know, no big news there. You know, they're in favor of it. It's great. It's new blood in the NBA, and I think, you know, it's something that really kind of needs to happen. And it's someone with deep pockets, and all the owners and Commissioner Stern want that. Our next headline, speaking of NBA free agents, we all know that LeBron James is going to be a free agent, Chris Bosh. But there's another big free agent, and that's Dwayne Wade of the Miami Heat. Well, the Heat this week unveiled a We Want Wade campaign with team president Pat Riley signing off on the approach. If you go to wewantwade.com, you have the opportunity to leave Dwayne Wade a voicemail as part of the We Want Wade hotline. There's billboards, there's signage, there's social media. Wade has his own uh, Twitter account, so he's very active with social media. It's interesting to see, Bobby, the lengths that teams are now going to and how they're utilizing technology to try and let their free agents know we want you. I wouldn't be surprised at season's end for the Cavaliers if we see the Knicks and the Bulls and the Heat and maybe some other teams do similar overtures towards LeBron James. No, and you know, Cleveland already has kind of rolled out that with their you know billboard campaign, born here, grew up here, plays here, stays here type thing. But, you know, I, with summer free agency, and this is the biggest one in a number of years, it wouldn't surprise me if one or two superstars made the move just because of money and impending contracts coming up. Well, I think Chris Bosh is going to move from Toronto. I think Carlos Boozer is going to move from Utah. I think there's a very good chance Amari Stoudemire moves from Phoenix, but we will see. So I think it is going to be an active summer. And with this being the last summer under the current collective bargaining agreement, and most people thinking next summer the length of contract is going to be shortened, 
look for some guys to make hay this summer and to potentially opt out of one-year deals in order to sign a longer-term deal. We'll obviously keep our eyes on that. Our next headline, we told you last week that FedEx was ending their 21-year association with the Orange Bowl. Bobby, you said you thought someone like UPS should step up. But it looks like Hershey's is going to step up and put Reese's on the title sponsorship. This is according to the Sports Business Journal. Uh, If this deal gets done, it's probably a four-year deal, just under $20 million a year. Reese's and Hershey's would also be part of a season-long package on ESPN promoting the BCS. They'd also, under that four-year agreement, get to host the national championship game at least once. So um, Reese's could be named the new title sponsor of the Orange Bowl, making it the Reese's Orange Bowl instead of the FedEx Orange Bowl, as it's been for the last 21 years. And I'm totally happy with it. And we saw what Reese's did with the Final Four this year. They were one of the big tournament sponsors with the NCAA. And, you know, I thought they did a really classy job of tying their brand to NCAA basketball. And if they go ahead and get the Orange Bowl, you know, I have no doubts they'll do the same. Our next headline, HBO Sports announced this week that the May 1 Floyd Mayweather Jr. Shane Mosley bout at the MGM Grand Arena in Las Vegas garnered 1.4 million pay-per-view buys and generated $78.3 million in revenue. It marks the second most lucrative non-heavyweight fight in history behind Mayweather, Oscar De La Hoya in 2007. Again, Bobby, impressive numbers. Whenever Mayweather fights, he's a big draw. Whenever Pacquiao fights, he's a big draw. I think it's a foregone conclusion if the two can ever get in the ring together, especially if it happens in a place like Cowboy Stadium, it will be the highest grossing fight of all time by leaps and bounds. You know, nice numbers, and we've talked about it on the show. Until, you know, Mayweather and Pacquiao fight, all the numbers are going to pale in comparison. And, you know, second, you know, biggest one in history, that's cool. But we really, really want to see boxing revived. We're going to have to see Mayweather and Pacquiao get in the ring. Our last headline of the week, Major League Baseball announced this week that the June 25-27 Phillies Blue Jays series has been moved from Toronto's Rogers Center to Philadelphia Citizen Bank Park to avoid coinciding with the G20 Summit. This is horrible news for the Blue Jays, who have had terrible attendance. We talked about this a few weeks ago where they had like 5,000 people at a game. This would have been the return of Roy Halladay, who used to pitch for the Blue Jays. The Phillies, obviously one of the largest draws in Major League Baseball. So more bad news for the Blue Jays by losing this big home series. Yeah, it totally is. But, you know, I understand the reason for the move. The G20 Summit brings in a lot of protesters and brings in a lot of conflicts. And, you know, if you can kind of avoid that for Major League Baseball, I I understand. The Blue Jays are 29th currently among Major League Baseball teams in home attendance. All right, coming up next, Bill Squadron from Bloomberg Sports. If you're a Fantasy League baseball player or if you're a GM, an owner, a real person in the sports space, Bloomberg Sports is doing some interesting things with numbers and analytics. Stay tuned for that conversation coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. 
Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. I thought you did a wonderful job of handling the game ball situation. You listened to your players and the owners, and ultimately I thought you got it right. What did you learn from that experience? It probably pays to go the extra step to build a consensus, even though you don't think there's any other view that makes sense. My guest is Jack Nicholas. What are the main lessons the game of golf can teach us if we pay close enough attention? You develop relationships with people. I think you play 18 holes of golf with somebody. You get to know them pretty well. We're joined by Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the BCS. What we want is for the best two teams to play in the championship game. Beyond that, I'm not sure it's really fair to say what's good for the BCS or what's what's bad for the BCS. Follow us at sportsbusinessradio.com and on Twitter at SB Radio. to speed on the latest breakthroughs in the world of sports. Let's enter the Technology Lab. My guest is Bill Squadron. He's with Bloomberg Sports. Thanks for joining us, Bill, on Sports Business Radio. Thanks, Brian. Happy to be here. So tell us a little bit about why and how Bloomberg is engaging both the sports fan and the professional side of the business. Well, Brian, Bloomberg is applying the uh, world-class technology that we use to provide the premier financial data and analytics and visualizations, graphs, charts, and so forth to the financial services industry around the world to the world of sports. And what we're finding is that sports, of course, is very data-intensive, very statistics-oriented, and increasingly so. And what we're doing is applying the core technology that we have and all of the know-how and um, assets of Bloomberg to be able to deliver value both to sports professionals, teams, leagues, broadcasters, agents, others, for their own op- for their own operations, their own business, and then for fans, we're providing them with all kinds of very compelling visuals and analytics and insights into the game so that they can follow their favorite teams and players, they can manage their fantasy rosters, and they can really enjoy getting behind the numbers and uh, really appreciating the game even more than they do today. Yeah, it seems like numbers are more prevalent than ever. Uh, Billy Bean with the Oakland A's, Theo Epstein with the Boston Red Sox, Daryl Morey with the Houston Rockets, they're all you know, analytic guys and, and using numbers. Are those the type of people, too, that are utilizing uh, your services? You mentioned that professional sports teams and then obviously the people that I would assume are playing fantasy sports uh, like myself. Absolutely. Virtually every major league team right now is using our professional baseball product. But, you know, the one thing I would say, Brian, is that uh, the numbers, the data are fantastic. They will never really replace the heart and soul of sports, the competition, the unpredictability, the underdog coming across uh, with a victory. But the fact is that increasingly people really want to understand the game from performance analysis and data the money ball trend has certainly grown, and fans love fantasy sports. The fantasy sports industry has grown tremendously, and even through our difficult economic times, the fantasy sports market kept growing. So we think that we have a lot of value to add. We think we can make it more fun for fans, and we think we can give them better insights into the sport. Uh, and for the professional side, we certainly think we can enhance the ability for professionals to conduct their business and run their operations with even better analysis and visualizations from the data. So you're working with Major League Baseball. Uh, What's the status of working with some of the other leagues, the NBA, the NFL, and and others? 
we've been talking with all of the leagues. They're all very interested in the kinds of things that we can uh, do together. Uh, right now, of course, we have, as you say, a partnership with Major League Baseball Advanced Media. Our consumer product is actually co-branded, MLB.com and Bloomberg Sports. Uh, we've really uh, had uh, a lot of good fortune getting kind of out of the gate in the sports world by being partners with Major League Baseball. Uh, and we're looking forward to our next steps. We can't identify yet publicly what it is uh, we're going to do next in terms of the next sport, um, but we're talking to uh, all the people you would imagine, and uh, we're looking forward to growing the business into multiple sports. My guest is Bill Squadron. He's with Bloomberg Sports. Bill, is someone who's been involved in all sorts of innovative technology, where is sports going next with fan engagement? One of the things we talk about on our show all the time is the challenge of getting the fan off the couch, getting them to come to an event live. Uh, obviously, ticket prices are a challenge for people in this economy. And then, you know, just getting someone to pay for parking and go through the hassle of coming to a game. What's going to be next with fan engagement, specifically at the live events? Well, I think that, um, you know, technology adds a lot. I mean, as uh you know, CEO of the company that introduced the yellow line and the K-Zone and the NASCAR race effect system. I mean, I certainly believe that, that technology can um, bring a lot of added enjoyment to the sport. Um, but I also think that uh, going to an arena, stadium, a ballpark, there's nothing like it. And I think fans will continue to do it. Certainly hope that um, the teams and leagues figure out ways to keep prices affordable because we want that to be available to you know, all fans and not just a very few or corporate ones. Um, but I also uh, think that there will be innovations on the mobile side, and I think what you will see um, are fans using mobile devices at games to supplement what they're seeing on the on the field um, So I think, uh, or on the court. So I think that that's not, um, I, that's not far away. In fact, I think it's already beginning to happen. I know that the Miami Dolphins this year were introducing the Kangaroo Media. Right. Um, mobile device we are going to have for our Bloomberg Sports product, an iPhone app that we're introducing very soon, and we think that fans are going to want to have that with them, and very soon it'll be a mobile app generally available on all platforms, and you'll be able to um, resolve an ar argument with the guy sitting next to you in the seat at the game if he says that uh, David Wright uh, had a certain number of home runs last year and the year before, you'll be able to, to uh, find it on your Bloomberg Sports mobile app uh, and settle the argument right then and there. Yeah, I mean, it seems like, and this is funny to me, but it seems like there are some people that, specifically with the NFL, that don't want to go to the games live because they want to sit in front of the TV or in front of their computer and get all of their fantasy stats. So if I can watch the NFL Red Zone and you know get everything that's going on and all the numbers, that's going to keep me at home as opposed to uh, going to the game itself. And I would imagine the same is true to some degree in, in Major League Baseball. I think it's a small number, honestly. I mean, I think that one of the great things about some of the at-home uh, progress that you're just describing and some of the new features and channels, I mean, the Red Zone channel is a phenomenal channel, um, is that it does give the vast majority of fans who are not able to go to the event live the ability to really get inside it and enjoy it like never before. And I think that's great, but let's remember that that's critical because only a small percentage of people are able to actually go to the event. And I think that most people, if they have the choice, really love to have that live experience. There may be a few, as you say, who you know don't want to leave their living room or enjoy being able to sit back in front of the big screen and do it that way. But I think the vast majority of people really 
uh, love that live experience. It is still a fantastic experience to be at a live sports event, particularly one that's exciting and that comes down to the wire. There's nothing like it um, in terms of the crowd and the electricity in an arena or a stadium, and I think that that's always going to be with us. We've got just a few minutes left with Bill Squadron of Bloomberg Sports. Bill, uh, obviously there's been a great response to your product, as you were saying. Has anything with the marketplace surprised you thus far and and maybe affected uh, what you guys will roll out next? Um, I would say that I I wouldn't say surprised, but I'd say we've been very pleased by the kind of feedback we've gotten. Um, both the positive feedback, which, as you say, has been extraordinarily um, uh, strong, and you know, bloggers and others, we've gotten ter- terrific reviews for our product. But uh, I would say that one of the things that's really a hallmark of Bloomberg generally, and certainly of our sports group, is that we are going to continue to improve and add to the product, and we're getting great suggestions from people about things that they think would uh, make it even better. So uh, one of the things I've been really pleased about is we've gotten quite a bit of feedback, and we've gotten some good constructive suggestions, and our research and development people have been already modifying and adding to the product to address the input we've received. How big is your staff? Um, we've got uh, you know a relatively small group, a couple of dozen people, but we also, of course, have all of the resources of Bloomberg as a company from the you know um, various parts of the business, and so we're able to draw on a lot of technical and um, business people within Bloomberg to support us. So uh, while the dedicated sports group isn't too big, um, we've got the resources of the very large and uh, obviously phenomenally capable Bloomberg organization. Yeah, I was in the Bloomberg offices uh, two years ago in New York and was just blown away. I mean, I'm out in Portland, so I get to go to the Nike campus every now and again, and it's pretty... uh, Nifty out there, but uh, what you guys have going on there in New York is uh, nothing short of spectacular with the resources that you have. Well, one of the things that's really an emphasis at Bloomberg is customer service. And one thing I think that is differentiating us from anybody out there is that on the professional side, we provide 24-7 customer service. If a team has a question after a late-night game on the West Coast where you are and they're getting ready for the game the next day, they can get somebody on the phone if, they're heavy, if they have a question about the product. If you're a fan and you are managing your fantasy team and you have a question about using the product, you can email it and you'll get a response usually within an hour, but uh, at the outside within 24 hours you'll get a personalized response. So that kind of culture and history of customer service and our commitment to maintaining that I think is really a distinguishing factor for us in this market. Last question for you. You mentioned earlier in the interview that you were uh, instrumental in the yellow line in football, uh, the K zone for baseball. It's really changed how we've watched football and baseball. Did you ever think that that would be such a game changer, those two uh, technology inventions? Well, um, you always hope that the things you're working on when you're breaking new ground really take hold. And so... um, I don't know if I uh, envisioned it exactly as it's turned out, but um, I'm certainly very gratified that things like the yellow line and the K-Zone have become so popular, and I'm really very hopeful that what we're doing here at Bloomberg, where we're really taking data analysis to another level and doing it in a fun and visually compelling way, uh, I think it can actually have the same impact where it really um, has a much broader application and fans all around uh, begin to experience uh, their sport in a much more interesting and fun way as a result. But you know, you really put your finger on it for me. I mean, I enjoy 
working on things with a team where we're developing something new and breaking new ground and hopefully offering something that really adds value. And when you are able to be successful at that, like with the yellow line, it's a great feeling. Bill, where can people find out more about Bloomberg Sports Online and maybe via social media? Um, Well, there are a couple of places. BloombergSports.com is the best place to go. And if you go actually now to BloombergSports.com slash Mustrash, M-U-S-T-R-A-S-H, we have a very fun new feature that Keith Hernandez is working with us on where you can trash talk people in your league using Keith Hernandez clips that are on there. And I think people will really have a lot of fun with that. Um, And we have uh, a good presence on Facebook. We have a lot of Twitter followers now. So uh, on all of those channels, uh, people can find what we're doing and can get involved. And uh, we're very excited about having them part of it. Bill, great stuff. Thanks for taking time to join us on Sports Business Radio this week. Great. Thanks very much, Brian. Thank you very much. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Well, I'm dusting off my golf clubs and looking forward to enjoying the gorgeous Oregon summer weather on the golf course. Like many of you, I'm on a budget. I want to tee it up when it's convenient for my schedule, and I enjoy playing golf courses that deliver a private golf club experience. That's why I want to tell you about the Ghost Pass at Pumpkin Ridge Golf Club. The Ghost Pass is Oregon's premier frequent player program that allows you to play the world-renowned Ghost Creek Golf Course for over half off of the regular greens fees. And with your Ghost Pass, you can make your tee times 14 days in advance. The Ghost Pass program sets itself apart by offering a competitive tournament program, which includes one exclusive Ghost Pass event at Witch Hollow. The Ghost Pass is available for only $150, and here's the best part. When you sign up for the Ghost Pass, you'll receive a complimentary round of golf valued at $150. So you literally can't lose when you purchase the Ghost Pass. Go online to PumpkinRidge.com and sign up for the Ghost Pass today. I'll see you on the links. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Tim Lemke. He covers the world of sports business, does a terrific job. You can read his thoughts and opinions at TimLemkeSports.com. Follow him on Twitter at Tim Lemke Sports. Tim, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. Well, thanks for uh, having me on, Brian. So let's start with two crazy sales. We know these sales are going to happen eventually, but there have been so many twists and turns. Even someone like me who covers sports business for a living, I'm kind of at the point where it's wake me when it's done. I, I can't right. hold on to the roller coaster ride anymore. Let's start with the Phoenix Coyotes. What's the latest there? I mean, are they going to remain in Phoenix? Are they going to go to Winnipeg? What do you think is going to happen? Well, it looks at this point like they will at least be in Phoenix through the end of next season. The city of Glendale put up a $25 million, uh, put up $25 million, which would essentially uh, cover the NHL if the current sale of the Coyotes to a group led by Jerry Reinsdorf, if that falls through, that would give the NHL money to, to operate uh, the arena that the Coyotes play in. It's Joving.com Arena. And that, that would at least allow the Coyotes to continue to play through the 2010-2011 season. After that, you know, it's still an open-ended question. I, I still believe, ultimately, that the Coyotes will relocate. I just don't see there being a tremendous financial incentive for them to stay, and I think the city of Winnipeg is, frankly, a more compelling place right now. And you can kind of even read between the lines that, uh, with Commissioner 
Bettman that he, he's, he's at least open to that. He's certainly not rejecting the notion of the Coyotes moving. So they're staying put for now, long-term, who knows. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing here is, first of all, correct me if I'm wrong, the Phoenix Coyotes used to play in Winnipeg. Right. Now there's a new arena in Winnipeg that they didn't have when the team moved before, so they're much more attractive. And, you know, I'll say this. I'm from Phoenix. I'm a Phoenix, Arizona native, and I don't think hockey has ever been a big deal in such a warm-weather locale. People aren't beating down the, the bushes to get Coyotes tickets in Phoenix. So just on the surface, I think NHL hockey plays much better in Winnipeg than it does in Phoenix. Well, yeah, I mean, it, this this really goes back to looking at the NHL's plans for expansion going back a number of years, and I think they had an idea, and it wasn't as bad philosophy, of trying to expand the league's geographic footprint, move it into uh, cities in the Sun Belt and the Southwest and down in places like Florida. And you can kind of understand that, but the problem is that these are not traditional hockey markets, and when you take teams in hockey-crazed cities like Winnipeg or, you know, Quebec City once had a team and, you know, other places like uh, southern Ontario and other places in Canada could support another team, perhaps even two or three more, and you're looking at teams in places like Nashville and Phoenix, you wonder if that's really the best thing for the league. There are a lot of people argue that there needs to be a better balance towards Canada and away from some of these non-traditional hockey towns. So, uh, I believe there may be a push back to that. You don't like to see too many teams relocate. I mean, it's very painful for the fans. Uh, you know, we joke, okay, nobody's really a Coyotes fan, but they're, they're there, and they wouldn't like to see the team move. But I think long-term, Winnipeg may be the best place for them. There obviously was the, the push last year to possibly put them in, in Hamilton in southern Ontario. That's always you know, a possibility as well, depending on how things play out. Uh, but certainly the health of the league, certain Canadian cities would probably be a better fit than places like Phoenix, Nashville, or Florida. Let's look at another fiasco, if you will, uh, as far as selling a team. The Texas Rangers in Major League Baseball, this has been an an ongoing uh, negotiation. What's the latest with the Rangers? Tom Hicks has been their owner for a long time, and um, he's wanted to sell the team, but what's the latest there? Well, this, you know, you need a, like a, a Ph.D. In, in finance to figure this one out. But, it's, <laughs> you know, it has to do, obviously, with Tom, you know, Tom Hicks was in major financial trouble. He thought he had a deal uh, to, to sell the team and get out from under his debt. And, of course, the, the creditors felt as if they weren't getting enough uh, out of the deal. It was a gap of uh, tens of millions of dollars, and now so – there is now this discussion of, uh, you know, whether or not the Major League Baseball will actually then acquire the team and, and sort of force the issue. Um, that's always tricky. I mean, it happened before with the Expos. The Major League Baseball sort of bought that team. It was certainly a different scenario, but you don't like to see Major League Baseball get involved if at all possible. I think the best scenario is for, you know, to this kind of, take care of itself in the private markets, but I don't think baseball wants to wait forever. Uh, it's very unsettling for the team. It's not good for the long-term health of the franchise to have this hanging over uh, everybody's head. And so 
something I think will will break. It may be Major League Baseball forcing the issue. It may be one side or the other backing down and reaching some sort of compromise or entering into mediation of some kind. Tim, let's switch topics and talk about the NFL for a moment. Uh, the Giants and Jets are going to be moving into a new home that they will share, and they have their eyes on the 2014 Super Bowl, and they've come together on a $1 million bid that they submitted to the league this week. Now, everyone knows the Super Bowl is usually held in a warm weather location. This would be a little bit of a change. How do you think the Super Bowl will play in New York if the league chooses to move the game there and out of a warm weather location? It would probably do quite well. The difference is, is that, you know, looking at the Meadowlands versus a site in South Beach or uh, San Diego, is that the place where people are going to go and want to hang out in February for more than a couple of days? You know, one of the big advantages of having it in a warm weather city is this it's Super Bowl can really, and the NFL can really sort of package an entire experience that takes place over the course of, you know, five days or, or a week and really have a great deal of lead-up. There's a tremendous amount of sponsorship activation that's outside and there's parties and it's uh, people will want to sort of hang out there. Um, now, New York, you know, people will want to go to New York, but it's not quite, it doesn't sort of have the same kind of vibe as maybe being able to really have events at the stadium over the course of, a number of days and the sort of outdoor vibe and sort of the party atmosphere would be would be quite diminished. I think it would play better than when the Super Bowl was in Detroit. Oh. Um, the city of Detroit tried to do a good job of trying to turn it into this sort of winter festival, and you know it, it, it was it was okay. But I think deep down the NFL was kind of like, all right, this this isn't quite as cool as, as having something going on in South Beach. Well, and Detroit was played indoors. This game would be played outdoors. So it's interesting, this bid, you know, they didn't shy away from the fact that the average temperature is 24 degrees during February. What they've done is they've thrown things in there like, hey, we're going to have seat warmers. We're going to give hand warmers to fans. I mean, they've come up with all these ways that they can warm the fans up who would be attending that game. So I thought that was interesting that they didn't shy away or, I guess, try and deny the fact that – there's going to be cold weather there during the month of February when the game takes place. Well, you know, I've always been of the mind that, that weather is one of the coolest things about, about the NFL. I mean, you can have some really awesome playoff games, you know, in December and January where it's snowing and you have these games in Green Bay, and we all remember the, the game between the Patriots and, and Raiders, that, that wild card game. Oh, yeah, that was great. And it's very kicking in the snow. I mean, I think that's part of football, and it, I always thought it kind of it bothered me when you get to the Super Bowl and you, they're playing in these these ultra sort of neutral environments when it comes to to weather and and the atmosphere is you know it, it comes off kind of sterile because it's a neutral site. You don't have uh, you know fans rooting hard for one side or the other. You, you split fifty fifty, or in many cases, people aren't really don't have a rooting interest at all. You know, this could add a little element of of uh, of fun and, and a, a sort of an interesting twist to the game that I think you know is, is often lacking in the Super Bowl. I think it'd be kind of cool if we could have a Super Bowl in the snow, or at least when it's chilly out. Yeah, I'd agree. I would definitely be more excited about that. No, I totally agree. I'd much rather see it in a cold weather location than in a dome or somewhere like that. So we'll see if this happens. I'm joined by Tim Lemke. 
He covers the world of sports business. You can read his opinions and stories at TimLemkeSports.com. Before I let you go, Tim, uh, let's talk about Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods yeah. withdrew from a tournament last weekend. Uh, he had an MRI done on his neck this week. And, you know, I don't know that we can any longer count on Tiger Woods to A, make the cut, or to B, you know, it used to be whenever he entered a tournament, we expected him to win. Now, I don't know that that's the case. We saw him get rid of his uh, swing coach, Hank Haney, this week. He just seems to be a mess. And I'm wondering, you know, at what point does the PGA Tour have to come to the reality that Tiger Woods is not the goose that laid the golden egg anymore. He may be on some weeks, but you can't count on him consistently anymore. No, I mean, this is he, his, his personal life is obviously a mess, and it looks like physically he just is having some issues now, too. And, and certainly the, the PGA Tour, which has relied on him to sort of carry the big events. Now, remember, he didn't play all that many tournaments compared to a lot of guys, but at the big events, the majors and the Players' Championship, which we just had, he was always there, and the ratings always were way up, particularly when he was in contention. I mean, the big problem is not only is he perhaps not going to be there at some of these events, but he hasn't been playing particularly well. Um, so you wonder if he'll get his act together. Now, he's such a focused guy and an incredible talent that it, it could require that maybe he, he, he gets a little bit of a break, um, you know, gets his, his groove back and his mojo back, and then he comes back stronger than ever, ever. But certainly the PGA, and I think they've probably done this to some extent, is try to figure out ways to make sure that the tour is very strong and healthy and popular, whether he's there or not. And we saw a, a bit of how they managed that when he was off the tour pretty much for, for the entire winter. Um, there obviously were not a lot of major events that they normally would have had him at anyway, but it was it was a little bit of a test. And the... Uh, you know, seeing seeing Phil Mickelson win the Masters in dramatic style, I think, helped. And the PGA Tour has to figure out what their strategy will be going forward. They have some things that they can latch on to. There's a great number of young players, guys like Anthony King, Kim, and Rory Sabatini that are coming up. Uh, maybe this Japanese kid, uh, you know, who just shot a 59 over right. Japan can become a story at, at some point. But certainly they... they you know, they've always been cautious to not put their whole brand, branding and marketing effort around Tiger. But this is certainly something there where they, they will need, particularly in the major events if he's not playing, to figure out something else to latch onto, whether it's maybe the overall depth of talent right now, which is actually quite solid, uh, some of the personalities of the young guys, uh, or, you know, maybe just the courses themselves. Um, but they're going to take a hit. Um, and even if he plays, he's he's not going to be sort of the popular, transcendent character that he he once was. Right, but he does attract interest. I mean, you know, I guess the problem I have with golf is that there's two household names, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. And yeah. if they're not in contention, the TV numbers drop dramatically. And if you're NBC and you are putting the U.S. Open on in prime time from Pebble Beach on the East Coast coming up here in June – you're really crossing your fingers that Tiger can get healthy, that he can make the cut, and that he's on the leaderboard come the weekend. If not, the TV numbers are going to plummet, and we've seen that time and time again over the last decade when Tiger's not in the mix. Yeah, there's, there's really no athlete that I can think of 
who has that much impact on ratings. I mean, there are a few guys like LeBron James and, uh, you know, in the NBA that, that would drive ratings. You know, certainly a, an NBA Finals without Kobe Bryant would hurt. But there's, there's still at least a handful of guys as opposed to one guy, you know, in that league. You know, the PGA Tour is going to – there needs to be something else to, to get buzz up. And I really think these sort of young players that are coming up could do that. I, I think if we see maybe Anthony Kim uh, make a run and win the U.S. Open, he's a guy that people could really get, get excited about. Uh, he's a good, you know, sort of a cocky young kid but a tremendous talent. Um, and there are a few other guys coming up. You know, they, I think they need to concentrate on the youth because if you think about sort of the last couple big stories, aside from Tiger, you had sort of Fred Couples making a run at the Masters and Tom Watson making a run at the British Open. I mean, if you're latching on to Tom Watson and Fred Couples, that's uh, that's that's not going to work for for very long. Yeah, there's not a lot of longevity there. Before I let you go, uh, we're very very pleased to announce that starting in June, when we relaunch a rebranded sportsbusinessradio.com you've agreed to blog for us on a regular basis so uh really excited about that and then i know your site timlimkeysports.com you're going to be doing some rebranding and redesigning to that as well so we really look forward to uh working in partnership with you uh in the future well i'm excited about it and i really appreciate uh the opportunity to write for you guys and uh Hopefully we'll be able to crank out some some real good uh, stuff on a regular basis, and uh, I look forward to it for sure. So remind people before I let you go how they can follow you on Twitter. Sure, I'm on there. Just follow TimLemkeSports.com, or TimLemkeSports uh, is the Twitter handle, uh, and, and the blog is TimLemkeSports.com. I'm on there pretty frequently just uh, chirping about all kinds of stuff, and uh, it's been uh, it's it's been fun. It's a real great way to interact with people. I uh, I will we'll follow you if you follow me is always my motto. <laughs> and you're an East Coast guy. You're based in Washington, D.C., so uh, we're out here on the West Coast. Definitely look forward to the East Coast perspective. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's always always great to connect with people who live 3,000 miles away. It's a great thing about the web. So, Well, thank you very much, and uh, we'll catch up with you again very, very soon. Thanks a lot, Brian. I appreciate it. That's Tim Limke of TimLimkeSports.com. Again, he's going to be joining us on Sports Business Radio regularly and SportsBusinessRadio.com. He'll be writing for us very regularly as well. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, we'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, We'll help you practice your new skills, and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. 
The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Well, if you've got an extra $5.4 million to spare, the Field of Dreams Farm in Dyersville, Iowa, is up for sale. The cornfield, Bobby, where they made Field of Dreams and includes the diamond, a two-bedroom house, six outbuildings that include a concession stand, and a 193-acre parcel is up for sale for $5.4 million. Field of Dreams was made in 1989. There are a lot of people who still come and see the Field of Dreams. It's become a popular tourist attraction in the middle of Iowa. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if someone steps up and buys it. If I were Major League Baseball, I'd buy it, and I'd do something really cool with it. I mean, $5.4 million to Major League Baseball, that's chump change. It's already got pretty good branding, and I think you could do some pretty fun things with that property, and you could probably even make a little bit of money in the process. I don't know if you're going to make $5.4 million, but uh, you know they can write off any losses. Exactly, and you know, listen, if I had five and a half million dollars, I'd consider buying it. You know, it's a beautiful piece of property. It's you know, it's basically a historic place now, and it's part of Americana. And if you got the money, I say go for it. Yeah, I mean, do some old timers games out there. Put it on the Major League Baseball Network. Put some lights up or something. You could I mean, do a fantasy camp. That'd be kind of cool. Oh man, you could, and you could probably make a lot of money just from the fantasy camp. And you could probably find sponsors who uh, would be more than happy to uh, sponsor those things. So, Major League Baseball, you can thank Bobby and myself for giving you these great ideas. All right. Lots of thank yous on our show this week. Tim Limke and Bill Squadron, our show staff. Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, Doug Zanger, and Brian Griggs. Our sponsors, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon and New School Media Coaching. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. We're on iTunes. Type in Sports Business Radio under podcast. Follow us on Twitter, at SB Radio. I'm Brian Berger. Have yourself a fantastic week, and we'll talk to you next week right here on Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio.